welcome back to The Catch. Today on the podcast, we are joined by myself, Michael Adams, John Rahimi, and Senor David McCormick. Say hello to the to the audience, boys. What's going on, everyone? I was really hoping hello. you were going to speak in Spanish because he called you Senor McCormick, but you didn't. So. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint. Hola. Hola. That's all I know in Spanish. Oh, I'm so proud it, of you. It'd be cool if we could do this podcast in Spanish, but I, yeah, I nope, just can't, just You're can't just do it. Bumbling incoherence. Yeah. You know, actually, we were talking about this. Is, this is a very interesting uh, connection, not to this, but in life. Uh, is that Blanca's religion teacher used to teach Latin at Northridge, Mister Clemens. Just, just a fascinating really? connection. So that was really interesting to see. I was like, oh, I know that dude. Yeah, he's a great guy. Um, but it, she was like, he signs all his emails in Latin. And it's really dorky and like weird. Whatever. No one knows what he's saying. And I was like, oh, you know, hey, I, I take Latin right now. Like, I can Let me see if I can translate it. Like I was looking at me like, what a nerd. No, I'm and looking so, at you because I can already see where this story is going, where she shows you it and then you can't translate it or something. It's better than that. Okay. <laughs> so she's like, let me find it for you. So we're talking. And she, she pulls out her phone. She gives me a look at it and goes, okay, that's Greek. <laughs> it's not Latin. Um, so then we sat there being like, I don't know what this says. Let's see if we can guess. So uh, I guess I was like, this looks like it says in Christ's heart. That's my, that's my guess. And so like, oh, let's just type it in Google Translate because that's a thing that exists. And so they looked it up and then it came back in not English, but just a different language that it said in Christ. And then the last word was something, I don't know, didn't, wasn't in English. And so uh, we sat there thinking, I was like, well, I don't know what that word means. And then Christina put it together. She's like, it looks like Jesus. I was like, oh yeah. It was like, it looked like it was like les yeux or something like that. Not like Therese of but like kind of that sound. Um, but she's like, you know, like Yesu. I'm like, oh yeah, like Jesus. So it's in Christ Jesus. And then like his name, I was like, duh, that makes perfect sense. So we figured out it was a big tag team effort. We figured it out. We can now translate greek pretty much and we're, we're basically language, language you're essentially experts. fluent now so yeah no problem so just send us send us greek things or latin things and we'll be able to translate them well john will be able to send them to john I was about to say, don't <laughs> send me anything like that well okay based on the evidence it's a team effort here because i couldn't figure it out and then we, we collaborated and we mm. came to the collaboration hmm. yes so i don't know that was just pretty cool but i can't speak spanish so sorry that's what the line that's what the line is yeah I tried taking a, when quarantine started, I started trying to learn Italian. I've always been very interested in it. And just, I think I went for like a month and I haven't touched it since, but it was a a desire I had. Mm -hmm. I think it's mainly because I don't have anyone else doing it with me. If I had somebody else learning Italian alongside me, it'd probably be easier. Mainly because I could like converse with them in Italian and like have someone else to hold me accountable. But it was just myself, and I was like, who, I'm just going to be saying Italian words in the mirror for the next, like, year and a half while I try to learn. And it was so awkward because it was on my phone. And so, like, I'd sit in my room at, like, 11 p.m. with, like, my phone saying a word to me and then me repeating it back into my phone in an Italian accent and seeing if I said it right. That's amazing. I would only do it with you if there were certain uh, prerequisites met, such as we would have to wear uh what do italians wear they have like the, a, the little stripes with the, the oh yeah uh-huh. thing around the neck yeah yeah okay so that um capris 
because I feel it's a very Mediterranean thing. Maybe it's not. Uh, I think and you just like capris. I do like capris. Yeah. I used to roll my pants up during Toto's too, because I was like, I don't like wearing I, pants. I yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> uh, we'd have to drink wine as we, as we practice and then sit like around like a kind of crappy metal, like knit table and just sit back and sort of lounge about for several hours pretending and kind of doing the, the hand motions. Of course. So that would be my, that would be the way that I would do it. But if I already not, have, I already have the nose of an Italian. So I, I think <laughs> I'm already halfway there. <laughs> yeah. Only if you grow a mustache. I can grow the mustache. That's okay. really, that's that's really the I only bit of facial hair I can grow. So yeah. this is working towards my advantage. Okay. Yeah, my only demand I thought was as John was listening, it's like, oh yeah, it'd have to be that we watch Ratatouille, but then I was like, that's French. That's in French. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's French. Although, <laughs> Close, it, is a, although it is a great movie. Such it is. It is a great movie. We sh- I showed it to one of my roommates over summer though, and he really liked it. But he had one interesting problem that he said it's about twenty minutes too long. And I first first I was like, how dare you speak ill of Ratatouille? But looking back, and I'm not saying it's 100% right, but looking back, like, you might have something there. I think it might be a tad too long. Hmm. I had been meaning to go watch it again, actually. So I will I will go watch it again because, my, yeah, my initial reaction is to say, how dare you? And don't be friends with that guy anymore. But I'll, I would like to rewatch it again. I think we should start doing, um, like, every other month, we'll do a podcast based off of a different animated movie that we love and try to make like absurd connections to the Christian life through Ratatouille and through like big hero six and how to train your dragon. Like all of our favorite uh, mega mind could definitely do mega mind. Totally. Mega mind is great. That's a, I just watched that recently quality film. There's tons in there. Yeah. So I think we should start maybe formalizing that and just doing, you know, I like every, that. every other month we just do an absurd animated movie. Emperor's new groove. Oh, Pull the lever, crunk. that movie is so, who was i talking to oh it's on my classmate patrick um and he said he spent like four years his entire time at college trying to like convince his friends to watch it and they were like no that's dumb mm-hmm. I was, and i was like so you don't like those people anymore right like you're not friends and he's like well the relationship's definitely strained <laughs> people yeah. people have a weird like vendetta against animated movies i have a couple of people close to me that have vendettas against animated movies too yeah and it is so frustrating because i love animated movies like i'll watch one t- this afternoon if i found one really good on tv right now mm-hmm. but I, I don't understand it. i think animated movies they bring a different level of emotion and creativity totally totally like one of, another one of my classmates doesn't i just watched cars the other day it's so good. Like, no joke. I was like, oh man, I haven't watched Cars in a while. I should watch Cars. Good, good movie. A lot more in th- than I like forgot. One in three are really good. I've actually never watched Cars 2 because oh, I t- heard it was... two sucks. It's so bad. I heard it was bad and I, it literally would have pained me to watch it. So I still have yet to watch Cars 2. It's all about Mater and it's just like stupid. And it's a spy it's, movie? Yeah, it's really dumb. It's really dumb. It doesn't have like the heart and like message of the first and third yeah i was about to say hey, yeah hey have you seen the third then yeah the third's really good there's a lot there in the third as well definitely yeah yeah, yeah. but like yeah one of my other classmates he's a little bit older he's like 30 he's 33 um but he like refuses to watch animated films like he vehemently he's not even like i just don't like them i won't he won't watch them of course the first one we made like we actually got him to sit down and watch shrek 2 
was like, and then of course, Strike Two sucks. So we had to sit there and watch yeah. that god awful film. Sorry, I didn't like Strike Two, but it's not a good movie. Did not age well. It, it did not age well. Dude, just I, like, I, I feel like so many people swear by Shrek too. I haven't seen I don't it since get I was like it. six. No, but like I, I'm not on either side. I watched it when I was like six or seven, so I have no recollection really of the movie. But a lot of people sh- like swear by Shrek too. That's all I know. It was just like early 2000s pop song after early 2000s pop song, and they were just not good. And just reference after like pop culture. It's ugh. No substance. Terrible film. The only good part of that movie is Donkey turning into a horse and then saying. But now I'm sexy. <laughs> that is my favorite. So line funny. Of so I quoted that a lot last year. Just oh, that really? one. Just that one <laughs> line. Because I, I read a, uh, I, I read an article when I was turning 23. This is actually kind of funny since I'll be 24 when this comes out. But I read this article that said men are their most attractive at the age of 23. That's that their true. the most attractive year of their life <laughs> is when they're 23. And so like the entire time I was turning 23, like the day the second I turned 23, I looked in the mirror and I was like, and now I'm sexy. Okay. I that is an amazing story. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. <laughs> it's so sad that at the time of recording this, you can only do that for two more days. <laughs> oh man. You should do that as much as possible when Mary shows up, just being like, I'm the most attractive I will ever be. So take it in while I can. <laughs> I'm going to send you to a video tonight of me to sit in the mirror. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Wow. So David, you have something to look forward to. And when you turn 23, you get to be the most attractive you'll ever be. I do. That's, that's really going to be a highlight. And then from there, who knows? Immediately downhill. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 24 downhill. Yeah. Yeah, That's what I'm saying. So I think. Look at me. Just 20, 23 is what I'm hearing is like, that's the window. That's when you got to lock someone up at 23. (laughs) That's right. If you're not, yeah. Sorry, everyone that, who's not dating or married by 23. Yeah, basically, if you're not, if you're not by 23, and then we're gonna like a couple years from now, you're like, "See, David, how was uh, how was being 23?" You're like, "Yeah, nothing happened." <laughs> yeah, 25 is gonna be my year. Yeah, yeah 25. Yeah, 25. isn't like 25 when you like stop um, like developing, like mentally or whatever? Isn't that like? Oh, the peak? I thought it was earlier. I thought There's it was metabolism. Early. That's what I'm thinking of. Metabolism. Your my metabolism, metabolism stops. Will never stop. At 25. I hope not. So, yeah. I have the metabolism of a 12-year-old soccer star. (laughs) (laughs) You you might, though. Why are you describing that? (laughs) I can't do that anymore. I wish I could. The Taco Bell runs, they don't don't work anymore. There's been a lot of Taco Bell runs in my house over the last couple weeks. A lot. As there should be. Yeah, which is part great, of but also also dangerous. I was there a couple weeks ago. Okay, so I was there a couple weeks ago, and it took forever to get the food. But um, I know it, it was like it was tough. But I met someone through like a mutual friend. Um, What's her name? So I don't remember off the top of my head. To be completely honest, um, was it actually anyway, her? So I, it was actually yeah. No. <laughs> uh, it was it was like it was like one of my friend's cousin, um, and but. She was like, oh, she, she's a freshman here. I was like, oh, blah, blah. She's like, yeah, I think I saw your Taco Bell last week. And I was like, that's not really, like, that's not really, like, the highlight film of just as a person. Like, I'm trying to give up. I'm like, I saw your Taco Bell last week. If, if anyone in any circumstance, you introduce them, like, it could be, I don't know, like, it literally could be anyone just like, yeah, I saw your Taco Bell last week. You're like, all right, this conversation's over. Like, yeah, David, you're the Taco Bell guy now. That's tough. Actually, yeah, that's. 
I mean, actually, that's not the worst thing. There definitely the worst are thing. worse things. Yeah, that's like the Jim Gaffigan bit where he's talking about McDonald's. He's like, <laughs> I see like getting recognized in McDonald's. Like, oh no, I thought this was the library. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also love that probably people slam like Taco Bell and McDonald's. It's like, well, the, they make a ton of money, so somebody's lying. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, I would never eat a, I would never eat a McDonald's. It's like, well, they're making a lot of money, so someone's not telling the truth. <laughs> he bought my brother Nick a $50 gift card to Taco Bell for his birthday. So he was very happy about it. <laughs> and he celebrated. Yeah, he was very he's like, oh, this is great. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Live mass. Yeah, and we, he will not take us with. He'll just spend the fifty dollars in like one go and be done. As he should. That is yeah. impressive. See, but that's actually an interesting point, though, because I said 25, right, is the for like males, that's when your metabolism, metabolism slows down. He's 27. It has not slowed down in the slightest. In fact, I think it's gone up. Maybe it's just a delayed process for him. 30 will be his year. He was eating three frozen pizzas a night as like a snack. It's really tough to see other people living out your dreams. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, I, yeah, his poor wife just to watch that and be like, I can't do that. <laughs> then he's also setting a bad example for his son yeah so i don't know or good example for his son well could be actually yeah, maybe maybe who am i to say yeah boys so i was just thinking um for this podcast i really want to talk to you all that for like the men's group that um i'm in on campus we have been talking a lot about the word of god and that we have all I'm assuming we've all we've all heard this word um, because it, it, it has all been presented to us. I know that's a very bold assumption, but thinking about like, yeah, wh- what is what are we doing to spread this word? And I think one thing I just want to bring up right away is a passage we were looking at is the parable of like the sower of the seeds. So like, I think I think it was a gospel passage a couple weeks ago. Um, that yeah he um yeah like the sower of the seeds is throwing the seeds and some land on the path um yeah they they get scattered and for a variety of reasons like um yeah the seeds do not grow and bear fruit but there was like some that land in like good fertile soil and they do and I know I'm sure in many ways we think about this passage but I was talking to our good friend our good missionary Tanner last summer and he was talking to me he's like yeah I've been sitting with this passage a lot. And he kind of presented it to me in a different way. It really kind of made me rethink that because I always think that like in that parable, like the seed is the word of God and like the sower is God who's, you know, who is spreading that word. And how he had kind of pointed to me is like, how does that passage change if you think of yourself as the sower? It's like, huh. Okay. Well, he's like, he's like, are you like, are you spreading the word of God and are you like to, to those who will listen and are you doing it confidently? And I was like, I honestly probably more reflective of the last few years is like, I probably pick up one seed and I walk over to like find a place of fertile soil with this very little risk involved. And I like try to like very gently like place it down. And I, I was just thinking like with that, um, and that's something I kind of had like posed to my men a couple of weeks ago. And I think we had a really good discussion about that. So I kind of wanted to just have that conversation here is like, yeah, how just in general, like, how are we sharing the word of God? What are some, um, what are like maybe some misconceptions or pitfalls we fall into? And also like, how does that parable change 
like how do we how are we perceiving if we think of ourselves as the sower as the one who's like who's spreading the seed like spreading that word i like that it's interesting it has a lot of implications for sure because we see the sower and even jesus right he explains the parable and he's like the sower sows the word God is the sower and like <laughs> the seed is the word. Um, so like, that's the very, like, that's what Jesus tells us it is. So if you switch it up, you have to do the same thing as the sower does. Right. And the word that came to my mind was not confidently though. I think that's important. It was liberally. Like if you sow the word liberally as God does, like you just imagine him scattering the way it's falling, the way we see it fall in like different, all these different parts of the soil he is clearly just like tossing this stuff out. Like it's nobody's business. Like you do when you throw salt on the ground to like get the ice away in the winter, you know, you're kind of just chucking it everywhere make sure that every spot gets hit. So I think for me, when, if you think about that, I'm just like, Oh no, 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 no. I'm not sowing that seed liberally. There's like five people who are going to get the seed and the rest of y'all suck and you're not getting anything. Just to be honest. Yeah. Um, John, I, completely yeah I, I honestly i think that's something that i um relate to because i think of just like yeah like we're called to do it in that sense and yeah like more often than not i'm like oh well i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put the seed over there like that's probably not gonna bear any fruit um maybe not over there and i think yeah i think i think this one's deserving of it. i think this is worthy of my time so i think i guess i'll uh I'll drop this in and yeah. And honestly, Michael, I really want to get your thoughts as well, because I know with, with you, you know, also being on a college campus recently graduated, you know, also being a part of focus. I just really wanted to see your thoughts on that. Yeah. I think when you were saying this, I have kind of an interesting relationship with the sower and the seed kind of mindset as if we're the sower, because this kind of goes back to a podcast that I had that I think we did a couple of weeks ago about just kind of presenting um, the faith to people who are non-believers and just kind of like trying to force things down their throat essentially. And like, I think John, you said at one time, it was like, you know, some people just like really don't care. You know, they just like, they, you can present it all you want, but they don't care, which I think that would be the, um, that would be kind of the hardened soil, like the rock that you're sowing the seed on. But I think what you said there with John, like the, li the liberal spreading of the seed is so interesting because I think that was a frustrating point for me in college ministry, like with focus and with other things of, you know, you, here you are with this group of 45,000 students. And I remember early on, I would be so frustrated that we wouldn't be out there just like bare knuckle evangelizing every single person we saw on the street and that we had to focus on just like one or two people. And I think it comes down to a couple different things of really how do we define sowing that seed um i think there's the one like really formal way of like oh we sit down with someone we have a formal conversation like present to them like the gospel like present to them like the faith and just kind of like answering questions and kind of doing a formal one-on-one -on -one. but i think something that's more interesting for me and more inspiring to me actually comes from the story of saint ignatius and francis xavier um, i don't know if either of you are familiar with their relationship but they were college roommates way back in the day and Ignatius was much older than Francis Xavier, but they say kind of when they met, Francis Xavier was kind of this prideful man who didn't didn't really want to do all of these spiritual exercises, didn't really care that much for the faith. And they never really said 
what won him over specifically. It wasn't like Ignatius, you know, like had a intellectual battle with him and suddenly Francis Xavier became the saint he is now. What they actually referenced was that St. Ignatius was just such a good friend to Francis Xavier. And it, through that friendship and through sharing life with him, that is what actually evolved into Francis Xavier accepting the faith in the same way he did. So I think when we sow the seed, we have to be careful how we define it because it can't necessarily be strictly the formal, okay, here is my friend who I think could use the gospel presented to them or it could use like uh, an experience with the faith. So here I am and go like sow that seed to them. But really how it is we are in relationship with others. And I think really what we can look at is like giving them a preview into what that life is like. Um, and that's kind of what I've tried to do more so recently with friends, especially friends who are non-believers of just being more open and liberal and sharing in my graces and sharing the beautiful things that come of my faith rather than being necessarily embarrassed or uh, bashful about them. Uh, I guess that's kind of my initial thoughts. We need to get away from like favoritism, right? Cause and even we've all had our experience with, with focus. And um, I was just talking to a priest who used to be a missionary for focus actually at U of I, um, or he went to U of I. I don't think he was missionary there, but he went to U of I and we were talking about like, it, it really depends on the missionary, but the ideal is that you're, um, you're not just choosing like, who's like the, you know, the hot up and coming, like college student who can really like be the leader and like do all the things I need them to do so that I feel successful in my mission. Um, but rather like we look for all sorts of people who have different gifts, some less than others, some more than others. Um, and it's an easy temptation that we all fall into, whether you're, you know, a missionary or not that it's easier to fall into the crowd. That's like, you know, the David is used like the low risk people who are like, I know they're going to be good about this. And there's really no, um, there's no effort demanded of me. And really I think that's just a selfish thing. Like we're not very much concerned about the other in that instance where it's more just, I'm going to use that person um, and not really be concerned about their growth or anything. I just want them to provide things. And I kind of just collected the fruits and it makes them uh, a trophy for you, honestly. Totally, totally. It's, yeah, it's yeah, a trophy for sure. mindset of like, oh, look at what yeah. I created. Yeah. And two, that we don't, um, we don't think of, uh, I think the, the things that Jesus lists in that parable, these different areas where the soil falls. I think there's a temptation uh, that I have to see it as stage one, stage two, stage three, and stage four. I think it's four. Um, but that's not how that works, right? It's like, this is a more um, a dynamic process where sometimes like the seed, say the word, what God is communicating to me in this moment, at this time, in this season, is that he wants me to do this thing. Okay, well then it might, I might be in a place where there's more thorns or it might be much more dry or whatever the instance might be, or maybe just you know really good soil and fertile. It's not just like, I have finally reached the stage of fertility. And now like every like seed that comes to me is always going to bear fruit. That might happen, right? Like we could be that in that for a long period of time and even for the rest of our lives at a certain point. But I think still like we have to be content knowing that we will sort of kind of, you know, ebb and flow through those different stages as God continuously presents his will to us day in and day out, moment to moment. I never thought about it like that, that the fertile soil is not always fertile soil if that makes sense mm -hmm. um yeah that, that we might constantly move kind of in and out 
And I think something that I think about us, like in certain times where I would think that I would be described more as maybe like the path, like yeah, like the rocky path, there's certain times where I'm not accepting of the word or I have always been very thankful of the, um, of the continual presentation of the word, whether just like through different sources. And I think that's something that we can do is we can give ourselves in, we can give ourselves a like sense of like over importance, um, kind of like, in, like inflated self of importance. Like the only, the only way that this person can really come to know God or come to accept the word is if I present it to them exactly mm. correctly. And like, this is a hundred percent the special ed in me, like talking about like, for me, like when I'm presenting, like when I'm doing lessons with my students more often than not in special ed, like the metaphor that is used is with a lot of students who are like gen ed, they're kind of like a bowl. And if the rock is the knowledge, it's literally a metaphor we use in class is you can throw it in the bowl and not be exactly on the mark, but it can kind of like rim it. Whereas like for a lot, for a lot of students with disabilities, it's like a vase you have to like carefully place the knowledge in. So for a lot of students, depending on what the disability is, you have to really be thoughtful about how you're presenting it and certain things that like, that they can come in certain ways to know like they have gotten this knowledge. And I've noticed that almost subconsciously, I've started doing this with the faith because like think of like, yeah, I need to present this exactly right. There's no other way. And I think that's just, it's a lack of faith in God. And I think it's a sense of over-importance um, that yeah, we need to presenting this exactly or else there's no way on earth they can get it unless I present this. And that's something like with my, with my men's group. And I know this sounds a little bit lazy. I started preparing less because of that reason of, I would think I was giving myself a, thinking of myself as more important. Like there's no way that we can have a good conversation unless I present this exactly right. And that's not saying don't be intentional in planning. Um, and there, but being like, okay, actually I think I'm going to trust more like in the Lord here and knowing that like he can work he can work in ways that are not just like me. Yeah. Like presenting this perfectly. So yeah, that, that's kind of a long jumbling ramp, but that's something I've been kind of thinking about recently is like, yeah, like how, how we can kind of give ourselves. Yeah. That, that over, over sense of importance when we're sharing this and have like the conditions have to be exactly right. Mm-hmm. I think you've been in the room with me before David with Tanner having this exact same discussion about being so concerned about Bible study and being like, oh, I just, you know, I didn't, I wasn't on fire today. Like that just wasn't a good one. I really just missed it and being insecure and how well we were able to lead others to Christ. And I always remember Tanner would always be like uh, the one famous line of like the Lord has already and like has already, you know, considered your stupidity. But um, <laughs> I think really more so it comes down to like, who the heck do we think we are at times? Like, we, I think you came to this maybe last time when we were talking about maybe the Eucharist, David, and you kind of said like, you can say everything you want and we can do everything in our power to give someone an encounter with the Lord, but they can't encounter the Lord unless the Lord comes to them actually and sparks an encounter. We cannot spark that encounter at all. We might be able to help lead them to it, might be able to help get them closer to that, but we cannot in that way at all produce an encounter for them. So it comes into a lot of that pride. Um, But two, I think this goes back to something that you said, John, again, on the point of like, who the heck do we think we are? I remember one time Tanner was asking me to ask certain people to uh, into Bible study or into discipleship, these different things. I remember there's a couple of people I was like, you know, I don't really know like how they'll fit into the group dynamic or, you know, I'm not really sure they'll say yes. I don't think they want to do that. 
And I remember Tanner like getting angry with me and being like, who the heck do you think you are that you get to choose who receives God and who doesn't? Like, why do you get to choose who gets presented the word of God and who doesn't? Like, who put you in that place of authority? And I remember that like shook me. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, like I'm so picky about where that seed is so like, it takes that just liberal sowing of the seed to really do it right. Um, and I think another thing that's really beautiful, my last point here would just be, I think we talked about the continuous aspect of it and the persistence of it, where we get so particular about we need to put it and place it perfectly here. But if you've ever actually planted any, like, have you ever planted grass? Um, I've had to help my parents plant grass a couple times in my life. And what you do is you use this machine and you run it over the ground and it just spreads hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of seeds all at once, all over the place. It's just spraying it in a 180 degree angle, just everywhere. And then I think it's very similar, like the spiritual life. It doesn't just, we, we try to calculate it out of like, I want to, present the Lord to these people. And now I'm going to sit here and wait here until the perfect opportunity is placed before me and I can actually present it to them and win them over kind of like that whole trophy mindset. Where in reality, it's that persistence of we don't know what the right time is. We don't know when something's going to strike a chord with them. We don't know their day-to-day thoughts, their day-to-day actions. It just comes down to the persistence of constantly sowing that seed and constantly reaching after them and trying to draw them near because we just never know when that encounter is going to take place. And, you know, God forbid that encounter could have happened in a time that we weren't persisting. I'm, I'm reading a book and one of the chapters I was reading today had to deal with um, pastoral zeal. And Michael, you were just sharing, it just reminded me what he, this author says that don't forget you've been charged with weak souls as well as strong souls. And today's gospel this morning um, was Jesus calling Matthew and then going to the house party and telling them, you know, I've come to call not the righteous, but the sinners, right? These weak souls. And that's so hard to deal with because it just takes so much effort to keep after them, to keep on persisting in love, not in like tyrannical, like you need to get in here and do this because your life sucks and you need to fix it. It's just like in love and in charity, helping them walk that way. Um, and how we, we talk about it all the time and it sounds really, you know, cliche at this point, um, but rediscovering what it actually looks like to walk as a disciple and to, we've been talking about focus and that kind of thing. Like, what does it look like to actually bring people into discipleship? that it looks like a change in their life. And I think that's scary for a lot of people. And we just want to let them sit back and we want to just sit back and kind of like, I don't want to change my life too much, um, you know, but we really have to understand that the disciples got up and left everything they had and changed their lives to follow and to walk. And going back to what we said, you know, um, about um, that persistence and getting away from paralysis, right. With St. Joseph, that, they continue to walk with the Lord each day and discover what it meant to live into that vocation and live into that life of the Christian day by day and moment by moment. Um, and so taking a step back, I think to just get away from this sort of like prize success mentality and saying, this is a very patient, long process. And that I, like you said, I'm not going to know the results of it. And to think that I do or that I will immediately means, and that should be a red flag for us, I'm not sowing a seed anymore. I'm actually just making something. I'm 
like taking paper, cutting it up and making it look like a plant and sticking it in the ground and saying, look what I planted. Look how great it is. It's in the image that I have made and controlled from start to finish. And it's in my own mind that I've come up with this concept. So everything must fit into the parameters that I've made and the design that I've come up with. And if it doesn't, this is not a success. This is not uh, worthy of doing anything, but that's not planting a seed. Like you said, like you plant the seed and then it grows right on its own. You water it and you take a step back and things happen that you don't see. Things happen that are totally outside of your control, but it's a persistent effort of staying with the, with the plant and doing those things over and over again to let it, to let it grow. And so I think the proper place for all of this needs to be in friendship evangelization and like doing this can't just be a, like a, Oh, I, I threw the seed over there and I talked to that person and now they're in great. Okay. on to the next one. Like that doesn't work. And we need to stop doing that as soon as we possibly can. Um, like I think all the time that if I have one conversation with this person, that'll be enough. And then I can move on to the next one. Like what I say will be just be, you know, whole and entire, all they need to hear ever in their life. And they'll always just go back to that one moment. And that's crazy. Rather, it needs to be in friendship because of the fact that like seasons exist. And that's the evidence of life is that things change and things grow. And so if we look at it as like a plant grows, dies, comes back, like those kind of plants that we see in, you know, covered in the winter, like we have to be able to stick with it through the seasonality of life. Um, and we can only do that in friendship. Like a friend in this book, it says is a man for all seasons, a man that can stay with the other through the different seasons. So in these different areas that Jesus lays out with the seed, he can stay with them and not despair and not become discouraged uh, and not become a control freak either, but just to receive and to love what is happening at each time and to continue with it. And I think we can get so, um, we can get so frustrated too, as you were saying, like, because if we think of like, this is mine, this is my paper plant or like, I'm going to control everything. We can get so frustrated, obviously, when it doesn't go the way that we think it's going to go. And I know I was, um, there's two things. Like one, I was um, listening to a reflection. It was talking about like that Lord is always striving after, after all of us continually, even to like the end of our lives. We know like we're called to try to replicate that love the best we can. And so it is kind of fun. It's like, yes, I want to show the Lord's love to everyone that I can. But I tried sharing with this one person and like, or like, and it didn't really go well. All right, I'm done. I did. I did what you asked me to do. Or like, or like, yeah, like I was, you know, really kind of growing with this person, but this person's kind of like started to fall away from the faith a little bit. I did what I could, but the actually like the Lord is, is striving and it's not going to necessarily be linear. And like in that, like we need to, we need to like to continue with that because I think the, um, once again, I, th I think we put too much importance on ourselves and it is kind of interesting. Like the, the temptation of, thinking about like how Satan works of initially, and I don't know if you two can relate to this. It's like very scared to talk to others about Christ mm -hmm. and, to, and he, he is pushing, like, they're not going to listen. You should not share. This is stupid. But then eventually like the Lord like helps us. He gives us courage and we get over that fear. Satan's like, okay, well I'm starting to lose in this front. Like, and kind of how I think about it is like, you are like, he's kind of like trying to like, like, push you and you're kind of like resisting and he realizes it's not really working on this front. So he hops to the other side and then he pulls you. So then now you know that you're going to, he knows like you're going to share the word. Well, now it's like, okay, well, how can I attack this person? I'm going to make you think that if you're going to share it, things have to be exactly right. You are so important that like that 
conditions that to be exactly right. Only certain people are deserving of the word. And then we find ourselves, we're not afraid to share it, but we are doing it very minimally. And we are actually not actually trusting the Lord with that. So I know that's something I think I definitely have fallen into in my years in college as well, um, is once I got over that fear of sharing it to start pressing on being like, yeah, it has to be important. Like, like it has to be perfect. And then if things aren't going, if it's not all just a line of successes um, or the person is getting closer to Christ, like, all right, you, you, you did your best. This is, this is a bad egg. Move on to somewhere else because we need to have like, you know, like those trophies. I need to feel good about myself that I can point to this person and say, they knew Christ because of me. And like, while that is good, that's not the purpose of what we were doing. I just thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. How, how I think we can get tempted in those different ways. And once Christ has helped us in one way, Satan can go attack another way. My last thought on this is just something that I've come to realize more um, in the last couple of months and it's been helpful. Um, but it's just, and this again, by no means, um, am I or any of us really good at this? I think like we all struggle greatly with, in this area. Also struggle infinitely. <laughs> like I, like I, it's easy to talk about this in like very authoritative terms and like very definitively and say, this is the way to do it. But in reality, this is a very difficult practice and to actually walk with people is incredibly difficult. Um, even to find people to walk with is really hard. Um, like you can try and try and it just doesn't work out. And you're like, who the hell am I going to walk with? There's no one around. Um, so that's, that's difficult. Um, but I will say what's been very helpful is just shifting the, the frame of mind that we have and in going into this as do I think about this? I'm going to talk to this person. I'm like, I'm friends with them. And I'm in, it, I guess it's the pitfall of like intentionality where am I being intentional about like, getting them further along, like step-by-step, step? am I moving them? Um, or am I intentional about loving this person right now with the love of Jesus Christ as best I can? And for me, that's been like transformative because it takes, it really does take the pressure off of myself and thinking, okay, like how am I, how am I moving this? How am I you know, moving this friendship and this conversation, whatever along to where it needs to be, or where I think it should be versus okay, am I really listening to this person? Am I really um, sharing in a helpful way? Am I talking to them in vulnerability? Um, am I speaking truthfully to them? Um, yeah, like just being attentive to, like, to their needs and what they're sharing with me. And it's, it, instead of thinking, that's not what they should be saying, they should be talking about this thing right now and think, this is what they're sharing with me right now. So, you know, what can I, what can I receive from that? Why are they sharing that with me? Um, and what's maybe underneath that? So just like, I, I think being present to the reality and then just trying to love with the love of Jesus Christ, which is a patient love. Uh, it's a generous love and it's one that forgets itself. So we have to kind of forget ourselves when we're with people and start to just be attentive. Like I'm really focused on this other person um, as they are a gift to my life because everything is a gift, even my own life. So I, at least for me, that's been really helpful. I know it's not the most practical thing, but like, when you get down to it in a real encounter with someone, a real conversation or just, uh, you know, hanging out with people, it becomes really evident really quickly, which one you're doing. If you're trying to like make this about the results of feeling like I did something there versus I'm just trying to like love with the heart of Jesus and trying to unite myself more and more to that heart and allowing that to just 
pour out from myself as best I can through my weaknesses, through my strengths, whatever. Um, you can tell very quickly which one. John, thank you for saying that. I think that's really, I think that's, I think that's a really important distinction as well. Because yeah, and the, and the talk about like spreading the word and we want to do that with faith and yeah, like that over, like we want to make sure that we're not, um, yeah, giving ourselves like an over sense of importance. That is definitely a temptation to see yeah, to become results oriented or to almost like not engage with others. And I think it's, it's tough because that's the challenge is like, I don't know if, if any of you have found that balance, please tell me because I, I have not like that Christ loved so perfectly and he did all those things. Like he, he had that line of where he, he spread the word, but he loved everyone. Like he had friendships. He loved everyone like perfectly and intentionally. And yeah, we're called to do that, but like we are not him. So yeah, no, I, I really appreciate you saying that. Like it is, it is tough and it's going to be, a process and we, we are going to fail at it mm-hmm. like over and over and over again too that's the important thing of accepting that failure yeah most of us including myself that failure it's scary and when you do fail suddenly you're no longer free to go forward and try again uh, i think that's something that we've probably all looked at i think it's probably also when we're looking at people as more results oriented rather than like actual true encountering them and just being a loving friend when you are oriented towards like the results and someone doesn't meet those results that you desire for them or whatnot, suddenly you internalize and go, what did I do wrong? What does this say about me? Maybe I'm not as good of a Christian as I thought I was. Maybe I'm not as good of an evangelizer as I thought I was X, Y, Z. And it goes into next time you do see someone to walk with, or you do see someone to really like encounter and be with and love. There's something holding you back because there's this fear of failure again, a fear of doing it wrong and them not quote unquote succeeding. Uh, And you start to think I'm not the right person to do this. Somebody else should do it. And it kind of comes into that whole idea of, uh, I can't can't remember what it's called. I think it's the bystander effect. Like if there's a hundred people or if there's 10 people in a circle and someone's having a heart attack and somebody's like, call 911, no one does it because they just assume the other person's going to do it. And it's the whole idea of like, no, you, you there, call 911. It's the same thing with us in the spiritual life of when we see someone to walk walk alongside of, it's not our duty to pick and choose. And it's not our right to say, you know what? No, that's not for me. Somebody else, somebody else will eventually take care of that. It's like when that inclination comes up, no matter where we've been or what we've done, if we failed or succeeded in the past, it's the invitation to try again. And that's something that I've just tried to remind myself because I've definitely experienced, I think both of those where evangelization has gone really well for me at times. It's also gone extremely poor for me. So trying to combat those over positive, prideful thoughts of like, Oh, look at me so great at this, but also trying to combat those uh, really insecure and thoughts of just uh, inadequacy as well. Look at me. I'm Michael. I have long flowing hair. Meh, meh, meh. Yeah, just make yeah, of the mullet. Yeah, or you can be like me and you get, uh, you internalize it and get down on yourself, and you get angry at other people and you start to get resentful of them. So it's a double sword, double-edged sword there. Yeah. Why won't you do what I want? Yeah, I'm so bad. Do what I want. It's like the weird, like, I, <laughs> it's not good. I would like to have a continuation on this at some point down the line. Um, 
talking about how the example that in like in this instance that John the Baptist sets. Ooh, baby. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. And that's and that's something like I've kind of been thinking about as well, because we see how well he did it. I think, and this might be a misquote, but didn't Christ say like John the Baptist was like the best of men? I don't think something along those yeah, lines. There is no one there is no man greater than born of a woman, but yeah, than John the Baptist. Which yeah. is quote when you start thinking like, oh, what about Mary? She's born of a woman. How do you deal with that? I don't know. I don't even know how to give him that right It's an interesting quote. Yeah. But like thinking, yeah, like how did he do it? Um, and same thing of like his, his humility with that and like his goal is to point everyone towards the Lord. But yeah. I would like, he must I increase, would, I must decrease. Yeah. I would like to, at some point down the line, not to yeah, give a little foreshadowing, but I think that would be a good topic to do. I'd like to too. And I'd like to kind of mold that in with the idea we, we thought about talking about too, of just putting people into a spiritual box and planning their own spiritual life and spiritual growth out and saying, this is exactly how you need to progress. And this is exactly how I envision you being holy. I am the architect of your holiness, not yeah. God. And so I'd, I'd like to spend time with that as well. That's yeah. good. All I was thinking of when you were saying like, I'd like to continue this in this way. I thought you were going to say in terms of some animated movie. And then Michael, what you just said, I was about the box. <laughs> I'm person in a groove. <laughs> I, I'll turn him into a flea, a tiny little flea. And I'll put that flea in a box and I'll put that box inside of another box. And then I'll mail that box to myself and then I'll smash it with the hammer. It doesn't really work once you go further, but the box thing, that's what the box, yeah, yeah, it, 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 yeah. it works. Yeah. Maybe we can make that happen. That was right, awesome. We'll, Good we'll, we'll, plan, we'll plan on doing that then in a few weeks for everyone. Yeah, no, definitely. Just somewhere down the line. Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you everyone for listening as always. We appreciate it far more than you know. Uh, please continue to pray for us. We will be praying for you. If you have any questions or comments or anything, feel free to reach out to us at thecatchcc at gmail.com. And before we leave, real quick, just two quick words from our buddies over at Bishop Sheen Rosaries. I know we're already a couple weeks into Lent, but if you're still looking for a nice little handy-dandy rosary to do a daily rosary with, one that's reliable, one that won't break every couple weeks, then go check out their rosaries on the website using the link in the description and use the code CATCH10 for a 10% discount on any rosary. And then lastly, with our friends over at Covenant Eyes. If you are struggling with uh, an addiction to pornography, go check them out. They have a ton of really great resources uh, that'll help you kind of rid yourself of that addiction, both educational and software-based. So make sure to go check them out and use the code CATCH30 for a 30-day free trial. But that's all we have. So until next time, adios. Bye. See ya.